Warning Signs Week 3. We have discussed a couple of the gauges that's on the cluster that's on our screen the last few weeks and talking about some things and how that uh, God has given us warning signs of some things going on in our life. Hopefully uh, they, they have spoken to you, have spoken to your life, and have added change to your life, change in your actions, change in our demeanor, change in our attitudes, change in the way that God is dealing with us. Because if he gives us a warning sign, it is intended so that we change. So hopefully we're praying that we change as a church. And today we're on the week three, so this week we're talking about the gauge that is the vote gauge. It's the battery power, it's the supply that starts your vehicle when you go on a journey. And God has us on a journey in this world. Our life is a journey. If you sum your whole entire life up, it is a journey. It's a, a walk that he is with us and, and leading us and guiding us where he wants us to go. So this vote meter is something that is symbolic of electricity in your vehicle. And it's got, there's a picture I've got there, Leslie, if you'll put it up, the picture, uh, explaining some electricity and how it works. So this is electricity in a, in a nutshell, the way they, they uh, scientists figured it out. So if you see this picture right here, it kind of tells you that there's a, a, a vote man there, that he's, he's pushing Mr. Amp Man, and then Amp Man is being restricted by Mr. Ohm Man. So if you do any kind of electricity at all, these three uh, terms are uh, describe different aspects of electricity. So as I was thinking about what the vote meter would mean to us and how that God wants us to see that uh, voltage in our life, how charged up are we? And the reason we have an alternator on your truck is, is because that alternator charges continually the battery so that it continues to charge the battery so that whenever you do shut your vehicle off, it's got enough power to restart. And there's seasons in our life where that we go through life and God allows us to have seasons of rest. I believe wholeheartedly that he doesn't want us going full force all the time, that there is times for rest. You'll see in the nation of Israel, if you read through the Old Testament, that there's seasons where that there will be rest for the people. And God talks about, you know, that, that every 49 years that the, the land would get a rest, that there would be a season of rest for the land, that God inspects us not to have full-blown, all engaged, all the time, without any rest. Every week, he gives us the seventh day, which is the day of rest. It's called a Sabbath. How well are you in using the Sabbath as a day of rest? How well do you do of totally taking a day off a week because we're not meant as humans to work seven days a week. Not saying we shouldn't work the other six. We should. Amen? The Bible says if you don't work, how many likes eating? I kind of enjoy eating. So if you want to eat, you got to work. That's, that's, that's biblical. You can, you can take that to the bank. The Bible teaches us that, that God wants us to work. But every seventh day, he does expect us to rest, to have a day of peace, of tranquility, where that we take a day off and just sit back and rest and think about the goodness of God and what he's allowed us to do all week. Because he's been good to us, whether we allow that to be said or not, he absolutely has been good to us. Whether you think you've had a good week or not, it may have been one of the worst weeks of your life, but it was still a good week if you was able to walk in this place this morning. Amen. If you had dinner in your cabinet, if you had uh, cans of food in your cupboard, if you had a refrigerator that run off of electricity that was able to keep your stuff cold, you've had a pretty good week compared to the people around the world. So sometimes we're ungrateful to God for truly blessing us. We are so inconsiderate of how good he is to us. But I want us to see today that there is seasons for rest. But as I was thinking about this message and, and somewhere that we could look at to see that how that this uh, uh, picture up on the wall would be explained, I went back and, and I thought about Gideon. 
And I've not preached about Gideon for a long, long time. I don't remember the last time I even recalled the story of Gideon. Every time I think of the word, automatically the messages that I've always heard was Gideon, the mighty man of valor. That's the words that, that come to my mind as mighty man of valor because that's what the angel told him he was. Gideon didn't believe in himself. He didn't believe in the country. He didn't believe in anything that was going on politically. He didn't believe in his family. He didn't believe in anything much. He was just drifting through life, Ernie, doing the best he could. But his belief, his empowerment, his vote level had drifted, let's say. He had lost the charge for life to expect change and to, and to look for change and to ask God to, to move in his life. He hadn't been praying the prayers maybe that he had once prayed or that his nation had once prayed. And the Bible says in Judges that the people of God had drifted from God and he allowed them to go to their own ways. God allows us to go in a wrong direction if that's our desire. And if we walk away from him, he will, he will do everything in his power to get us to turn. But if we willfully defy him and walk away from him and decide we're going to serve other gods, we can expect the gloom and doom that will come with that. The nation of Israel had done this. They had went after the god known as Baal. And they were worshiping Baal, and they'd set up these high altars, and, and they'd set up these ephod, these posts, and, and they had all these big shrines and temples all around their communities in the nation of Israel. This is God's chosen people. And they had all these false gods displayed in public. It would be like going down to the courthouse and seeing a big shrine set up to Baal. In the main part of town, the, the, the center stage of town, that society was worshiping other gods. The Bible says that our God is a jealous God. Amen? How many believes that? That he's jealous of us. He's, he's, he's hungry for us. He, he desires to have his children as his own. And when we walk away from him, it, it hurts God's heart. When we would defy God and when we sin against God and when we willfully do things we want to do and don't even think about him anymore, it hurts his heart. And he will send us warning signs to let us know you're not on the right path. If you're sitting around in gloom and doom and, and uh, despair and the whole world is falling apart and, and I don't know the answers to all of life and, and I just don't, I don't have no joy in my heart, I don't have no happiness, I don't have no desire to do anything for God, I don't have any willpower anymore because it just seems like nothing ever good happens for me. You're probably a lot like Gideon. But if you don't allow your vote meter to give you the warning sign that you're not charged enough, is it God's fault? Is it God's fault? Is God lacking power? Is God lacking ability to change things in your life? So we have to decide today, are we going to be like Gideon? And Gideon, this, this angel appears to him and tells Gideon in, in, in Judges chapter 6, he tells him, look, Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. And Gideon was hiding in a wine press, thrashing out his wheat. He was hiding because the other armies of the earth would come in, and when they would thrash out their wheat and get the substance that he would work all week for, to get, they'd be like this, that you work six days this week, and whenever your boss comes up and gives you your paycheck, that there's another army comes into town and takes your paycheck out of your hand and says, that's not yours. Wouldn't be a lot of fun, would it, Earl? If every week on end, after end, after end, week after week after week, you go and work and cut all these trees and load these log trucks and drive them down and deliver them and, and, and offload them at the sawmill, and, and at the end of the week, the boss comes and hands you your check, and somebody else comes from Maysville and says, well, sorry. That's my check. This has been happening in their society over and over and over where that they just got so used to it that they just had to learn to hide to keep a little bit for themselves. Gideon was hiding in this wine press and he was trying to just protect his one little uh, a bushel of wheat enough that he was going to be able to eat that week. An angel lands and comes to earth and sits there and looks at Gideon hiding in this, in this pantry, per se, hiding in the back room in the closet, and he says, Look, you're a mighty man of valor. 
How we perceive ourselves affects what we do. Amen. How you perceive yourself affects the things that you do. So if God is telling you today, and if he's sending an angel right now, I believe the Spirit of God is speaking to us today and saying, you are a mighty man or woman of valor. There's something greater on the inside of you than's in this world. Romans chapter 8. Greater is he that's within me than he that's in this world. There's something powerful when God reigns in the heart of a believer. Whenever somebody begins to believe and dream about some things that God can do. And I saw yesterday, Amy was texting that, that Earl was having a dream day. He was just dreaming and thinking, what if? And what if? What if we had dreams and visions and God give us warning signs and he called you a mighty man or woman of valor? What if there was an angel sitting beside you today charging you saying, your conditions that you're facing right now doesn't have to end the way you're dreaming about. If you're tired of seeing everything you work for stolen from you, if you're tired and broke down and busted and disgusted and it seems like life is falling apart, what are you going to do from within to say there's a power to be reckoned with in my heart because God resides right here and if he's powerful, more powerful than the devil, what am I going to do? I've got to decide today, I am a mighty man or woman of valor. And I believe truly that the Spirit of God is speaking to our hearts and is saying, there's more inside of you than you know. There's more power on the inside of you than you know. And if you're tired of the circumstances you've continually been handed, do something about it. Choose today. Today, there's a power in me to be reckoned with. And if God is speaking to your heart today, be like Gideon. But Gideon still had, even with all these voices speaking to him, had this little bit of doubt that he had to work with. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I'll say that again, it's Romans. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. The reason you walk out of church on Sunday mornings or Sunday afternoons, and you hear the Word of God preached and taught to you, and you feel more powerful than you do the rest of the week, is because the Word of God is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It'll pierce asunder. It'll cause the bone from the marrow. It'll, it'll, it'll make things dissolve in your life. Amen? I believe this word that I have in my hand is power enough to change my destiny. I believe that if I can read these words and believe these words and speak these words and truly just, just put my heart into these words that this is for me. When God says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, that's for me, Ernie. And when these words leap off the pages into my heart and causes the power surge to come and my vote meter to go up, that's a sign that God is charging my life. But I really believe that Sunday morning alone isn't enough for the week. I think it's a good start. I think it's a day of rest and a day of peace where that as we've got some solitude, we can sit back and God can speak to us. But what do we do the rest of the week? You need to read your Bible. You need to, you need to pray. You need to listen to some radio that's got some uplifting messages, some Joy FM, some, some uh, K-Love, something. Do something to encharge and empower your life. If you're walking around in defeat, if you're only living your life with all the problems of life welling over your mind and welling over your mind over and over, day in and day out, that it's all it's pulling the charge out of your life. It's what the devil intends to do because if he can drain you dry, you don't have enough power to walk anymore. Maybe I'm preaching to myself. So Gideon, even after this mightier man or woman of valor speech from an angel, how many should say that should charge you up? 
Amen. If an angel comes and speaks to you and you know it's an angel, it's confirmed, it's absolutely truth, it's an angel of God speaking to you, you should be pretty charged up. But even in the middle of that charged up message, there's still doubt. And the reason I believe God put this in the Bible is because of me and you. Because we can come in on Sunday and get all charged up and think, man, I'm going to live this life. It's going to be a different week. I can walk out feeling like, man, this is going to be the week where that things turn around. There's getting ready to be a shift. There's a change coming. I feel some power at my back. I'm charged up. I'm ready for this week, and I'm coming at it. And God, I can feel you moving me this week, and this is the week of change in my life. I'm charged up and ready to go. And you get to Sunday night and you lay your head down on the pillow and you wake up on Monday morning and that devil is right there to meet you and to say, this is going to be just like another Monday morning. You're going to start all over and I'm going to wear you out all week. I'm going to drain that charge that you got yesterday morning at church. I'm going to, I'm going to pull that charge out of you and I'm going to cause you to have doubt. I'm going to cause you to doubt God. I'm going to have your faith to lower its standard and you can't do anything but walk in defeat because I'm I'm going to challenge you this week. That's what the devil does. Maybe I'm the only one. Gideon had this happen. Angels challenging him. Look at Judges chapter 6, verse 33. Right when Gideon's hearing all about this, and he's in this threshing floor, and he's in there trying to get enough wheat to last him for the week because the armies had come and stolen everything he had, took his paycheck. Verse 33, soon afterward, everybody say afterward. After After you hear these kind of messages, soon afterward, the armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east form an alliance against Israel, and they cross the Jordan camping in the valley of Jezreel. The enemy is a camping himself against you. And he will get anybody that will join alliance with him to try to defeat you. There are absolutely people in this world that align themselves with Slewfoot, with the devil. There's the church of Satan. There's that spirit of Antichrist that the Bible talks about. It's been around ever since the beginning of time. The spirit of Antichrist. It wants nothing to do with it. And they align themselves to encamp against the hope and dream that something different can happen in your life. Then the spirit. I love this part. Though though the armies encamp themselves against me, the devil can try to come and he can bring as many minions as he wants and he can set up right next door to my house. This is what this verse is saying, that soon after Gideon got this message, that those armies came, and they came from the east with an alliance, and they set themselves over, and they crossed even the Jordan. They come into your territory. They're in your yard, sitting next to your next door, camped in the valley of Jezreel to cause you to have fear because there's an army outside your door. But I love verse 34. Then the Spirit of the Lord took possession of Gideon. My God, mm, I need that in my life. When the army encamps itself against me, when the enemy comes in like a flood, what are you going to do? Are you going to bow down and say, I'll just lose this one too? Or is there something going to speak within you to say, the Spirit of the Lord has took possession of you today. Sean, the Spirit of God wants to dwell in you richly, is what the Word of God says. There is something that charges us. There's a voltage meter on our gauge cluster to say that God is powerful today and He is recharging your life. He blew a ram's horn as a call to the arms. And the men of the clan of Ebenezer came to him. He also sent messengers throughout Manasseh, Asher, Zebulun, Nephla, summoning the warriors. And all of them responded. 
What would happen if you had a prayer chain? What would happen if you had a prayer partner and when you woke up on Monday morning it felt like you was already defeated from yesterday's sermon and you had somebody to call and you sent out that ram's horn message, that trumpet, and you blasted the trumpet to say, I need help. I need help today. And what if they showed up? What if you had friends that would show up and pray for you and seek God on your behalf and say, my brother Gideon feels like the army is encamped outside his door and today he's making a call for us to show up because this army has taken our possession too long. If you get, ever get sick and tired of the enemy stealing from your life, that you begin to stand up and say, i tell you what, with God as my helper, and I'm going to make a call for those believers in Christ. I'm going to, I'm going to have some Christ-like people in my life. And when I make that call, that trumpet call, they're going to show up. I believe this. I've seen old timers when I grew up, Mary, and going to church and, and seeing those people that would, would, would help each other and aid each other and pray for each other and seek God on behalf of those that was hurting in the congregation. Where's it at today? Maybe the reason we're defeated is because we're going it alone. Amen. You better get you some help. And maybe the psychiatrist isn't that help that you need. Maybe you need somebody speaking your life says, thus says the word of God. When all these warriors show up to help him. Verse 6, 36. Then Gideon said to God. Then Gideon said to God. So now you've been warned by an angel. The spirit of God, it says, has overtaken your heart. Gideon. And you blew the trumpet's horn for war. And your friend showed up. Are you okay with that? Here it says, Then Gideon said to God, This is us. This is the story of our life on a weekly basis. Let's just put Mary's name in there. Then Mary said to God, If you're truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, prove it to me in this way. I'll put a wool fleece On the threshing floor tonight. If the fleece is wet with dew in the morning. But the ground is dry. Then I'll know that you're going to help me rescue Israel as you promised. So God sent you an angel. He sent you a bunch of Christian friends. And it says we still got questions. God if you truly going to use me the reason our vote meters are dead not because God's got a lack of power because we got a lack of trust in his power it's 100% fact verse 38 I love this and that is just what happened he said, "If truly God, if you're if you're really gonna if you're really gonna use me to do this, do this. I'm gonna lay this wool fleece out on the ground, and when the dew hits it, when I pick it up in the morning, there won't be no water underneath of it. All the dew will be stuck on the rug, and there will be a dry spot on the ground. And that is what happened. A fleece before God, and and there's people." That still do these kind of things. It, God, if if you want me to go talk to that neighbor, cause my truck to break down in front of their driveway. When he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. When he's already told you in his word, over and over, throughout and throughout, and he's told you time and time again, stop by their house, pray with them, 
Go into their house and speak what God has done in your life. Be a testimony for me. Speak about the good things that's happened in your life because you're following me. Go and witness to somebody. And then we say, God, if you want me to. And that's just what happened. When Gideon got up early the next morning, he squeezed the fleece, wrung out a whole bowl full of water, and it was dry underneath of it. That's a lot of water. Everybody say, God will prove you. He, he's got enough proof. He, he, can, he can control the elements of the earth. He can tell the molecules of the earth where to be and when, and they line up with exactly what his word says. He can tell the dew from heaven, stay on the fleece, don't get on the ground, and the water stays in the fleece. Amen. The water doesn't doubt him. The H2O, the elements, they don't doubt what God says. They just align up with what he says. There's no fear. But then God, then Gideon, okay, then Mary said to God, it's the next day. Okay, I got this proof. I got a bowl full of water that's proving that God really wants me to do something. Okay, God, uh, yeah, you've done that, but I, I need to know for sure. Then Mary said to God the next time, please don't be angry with me. Sounds a whole lot like us. You question God and then tell him, don't be angry with me. I'm just, I'm just trying to make sure here. I, I, I need some solid evidence proof. I've got to know for sure without any doubt that, that you're telling me this. And Gideon said to God, please don't be angry with me, God, but let me make one more request, just one more. Let me use the fleece one more test. This time, let the fleece remain dry while the ground underneath it is wet with dew. So that night, God did as Gideon asked. The fleece was dry in the morning, but the ground was covered with dew. So you want it this way for proof, then you want it that way for proof. You want God to show you this, then you won't even show you that. Gideon's wanting all this proof about what God was wanting him to do on day one. And we wonder why the world is in the shape it's in. When there's more doubt in the church than there is in the world. When God's very own elect, Christians, believers in him, those that truthfully, faithfully attend church, do everything they can, you, you give into the offering, you, you take extra boxes when you don't even know if you're going to be able to supply them, and you, you give to BGMC, and, and you come and you, you work when we do uh, outreaches, and you come down and cook hot dogs when we cook hot dogs at the, at the, at the park down there, and, and you just do everything you can to make sure that Bethesda is the best place it can be, and you, you really give it your all, but in behind the scenes when God is working in your life, and he's giving you a warning sign, you're voting meter is off. You're not charged up enough. There's not enough power in your life right now. And you sit back and day after day after day. I just need to, don't be angry with me God. Just, just one more time I'm going to ask you again. Don't do it the way you did last time. Do it this way now because when you prove it to me this time I'll try. When God all along is saying there's an army stealing from my people and I'm sick of it and I'm ready to defeat them and will you get up and do something and he gives you that charge of energy, his spirit speaks to your heart and we sit back and say, God, don't be angry with me now. I'll do it whenever I know that it's real. All along he's been telling you, send you an angel. Send you an army of believers to back you up. And we ask God, if you will, God, do this so I know. I just wonder what God's saying to your heart this morning. I just wonder what the Spirit of God would speak to you individually today, independently, you, on a personal basis. What's he telling you to do? And you may feel like that your vote meter is completely gone. Let me tell you who this is. This is you. That's you. You're getting squeezed every day. 
This is God trying to shove you down the pathway of life. It's an absolute fact. wonder who that would be. wonder who would put in that position. This is a question you've got to answer for yourself. Who would you put in that position? Trying to hold you back. That's got enough power to resist God and not allow you to go forward with God and what God intends for you. Who would you place as Mr. Own? Who would you say that is, Mary? That's who we'd all say. You know why? Because it's easy to blame somebody else. That's truly you. That's your God-called destiny. That's who you're supposed to be in life. But God give us a will. How many agree with that? You've got your own will. How many's got a strong will? How strong-willed are you? I would say this is all of us up on top. Our own self-will, our own doubt, our own fears. Because really, if, if you truly, and the reason I say that, not to be mean, is that if we put Satan here and he's the one able to hold God back from getting us where we need to get, we give him way too much power. I believe we need to go back and read our Bible and see where in Isaiah it says, I saw Satan fall, Lucifer fall from heaven in an instant. A third of the angels fell like lightning out of the heaven. Why? It wasn't a battle that went on. There's not a battle like on cartoons where there's a little red angel, a little white angel that, that God's just trying to defeat him and there's still a war going on. That battle didn't last a millisecond. I love what Chris Hodges said this past week. There is no power in the devil. The only power he has is what we give him. If we let him have rule and reign in our life, then we will be defeated. Amen. He cannot fight against God. The only thing that God will allow to hinder you from going forward in your life is your own self-will. So if you keep that rope bound around your life, and pulling and tugging and doing everything you can and thinking, it, it, if, if my will be done on earth as it is in heaven, why do you think Jesus taught you to pray that prayer? If we would pray God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven, what would happen? That's where we give up on that rope. And let ourselves go on down the pike where we're supposed to be going. Stop hindering your walk with God by your self, own self-interest, by your own desires. There's a lot more that I had lined out. We're not going to get there. Let's let you come play. Gideon, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What voice are you going to heed? What are you going to listen to? The best part of Gideon's whole message, if you read the rest of the story of Gideon, eventually, finally, after all his struggle against God, he goes out and he blows this trumpet and all these people show up, thousands of people. You know what that tells me? There was a lot of people in that community that was th threshing their wheat out in a wine press, hiding from the enemy, trying to just get by for a week. And they were sick of it. Thousands of people showed up when Gideon blew the trumpet, the call to arms to say, I'm sick of this daily drudgery of life. tired of this same old same old and I'm tired of that shrine sitting down in the middle of town the Bible goes through this story and tells it that the angel come and told Gideon and said get your dad's two ox go down to the city center take you some ropes 
see the little rope that you usually binds yourself? Get in, take two ropes, go down to the city center with two oxes that your dad owns. And he's a worshiper of Baal, his dad was. The Spirit of God speaks to him, says, Go down there with these oxen, these ropes, tied around the base of that altar, and break it into pieces. What he's saying is, tear down the strongholds in your life. Tear down the worshiping of anything else other than God. The Bible says when they, they hooked him to that Ernie, and he hooked it to that Asherah pole, and he, he pulled it down, and he tore it down. And the next morning, everybody in town woke up, and it's like, what happened? Our God of Baal is gone. What happened? Somebody tore him down, and, and eventually the word got out, Gideon did it. And all the, all the host of people, they come, and it's like, why did you tear down our God? Why did you tear down this shrine that we had built here, and we worshiped this God, and he tore it down, and, and everybody was so disturbed because it was broken down. And they come to get Gideon. And eventually somebody stands up for Gideon and tells him, say, look, why are you the one that has to defend Baal? If you worship him and he is so powerful, let Baal defend himself and see what happens to Gideon in the morning. I love it when the Bible talks about showdowns between God's men and the gods of this world. You know what happened to Gideon that night? I'd say he, he slept like a baby. I say the Spirit of God hovered around him and protected him. And I'd say the God of Baal that's not even existent. Most of the things that we worship is not even existent. The God of Baal couldn't do anything with the Spirit of God that was protecting Gideon. The gods of this world has no power. And he tears his pole down the next day. Everybody comes out to town to see what happened to Gideon last night. I would say they would be expecting, because they had faith in their God, Baal, they was expecting Gideon to have a funeral service that day. But you know what was funny? Gideon stands up. He's awake. He's alive. He's got a smile on his face. He's got joy in his heart. And the Spirit of God is resounding behind him. And he feels empowered because he's tore down a God of this world. And God has used him to defeat the enemy in his city. What are you going to do, Gideon? He tears it down. When's the last time you tore down an altar of worship in your town where people worship these false idols, these false gods, and they believe that these things supply them with anything? When's the last time you walked into the city corner and stood there and prayed on the corner down at the courthouse and said, God of heaven, you rule and reign over Lewis County. You rule over our county. And we will not be defeated. We won't be broke the rest of our life. We won't be defeated the rest of our life. There is a God of heaven behind me, and he will rule and reign in this city. got enough power to do it God is with you the forces of heaven the armies of heaven are behind you what about in your own family when's the last time in your own family you said you woke up that morning and the spirit of God quickened your heart and said today is the day are you sick of all your siblings going to die and go to hell? And are you willing to do something today to tear down the stronghold in their life? Will you pray down the forces of heaven and see the armies of God march behind you and tear down those things that's destroying your family? When one man stands up, everybody else notices and Ernie Gideon's army grew strong. He had over 30,000 people backing him, saying, those people that's encamped outside of town that's come here to take our wheat today, and the Bible says they're innumerable. There were so many of them that you couldn't even add numbers to it. They was more than the sands of the sea was encamped against Israel. Gideon's got enough gumption to stand up and say, yeah, who's going to go with me? I'm going to go take them out because God told me to. I feel the power of God behind me. I can sense that the presence of God is ready to shift our nation. And I'm ready to go do something. And I'm going to go take out that army. How many is with me? 30,000 got up behind him and said, Gideon, we'll go with you. And God takes him out there and says, Gideon, that's too many people. If you go and do it with 30,000, they'll claim they did it theirself. 
God says, tell anyone of them that's got any inkling of fear right now, if they feel their knees quivering, that they feel like maybe there's a chance we might lose, tell them to go back home. So Gideon stands up with an army of 30,000 and says, Look, guys, God told me that any of you, if your knees are knocking right now, turn around and go home because he don't want any fear in our camp. 20,000 people turned around in an instant and walked away. Not everybody that says they're with you will be with you till the fight. Amen? I'm talking about world changers. I'm talking about destiny changers. I'm talking about people that shift the things that happen on earth by the power of God. What are you going to do, Gideon? 10,000. He's got 10,000 left. He's like, well, I feel like probably God still told me I'm going to do it. 10,000. And God says, Gideon, that's still way too many. Isn't that just like God to shrink your circle? What about as a church that shrinks you to the point where the true believers are left? I'm talking about people that will believe God and trust God. They don't rely on fear. And he shrinks you to the point of the ones that go fight all the way to the day of the fight. He says, take them down, bow them down to water, tell them to get a drink. He said, when they get done drinking, you keep a note of everybody and the way and the fashion they drink. If they lean down and they keep their face to the water and they suck water up into their mouth like a dog, tell who that people are. The ones that dip their hand in the water and pull up their mouth and drink like a cup, keep a record of who does that. Gideon keeps a record of all these 10,000 he's got left. The Bible says the ones that cup the water, there remain 300 with him. 300. So he went from 30,000 down to 300. And God says, the ones that cut their hand, they're going to go fight with you. But God, I thought you had 30,000 with me. I feel pretty empowered then. Even when I got to 10,000, I still feel like I had a chance. But you're telling me I've got 300 people and we're going to go take on this army that's bigger than the sands of the sea? What are you going to do? when it feels like you don't have enough. That's where God has you right now in your life. I'm telling you. Multiple people in this room that feels like I've been wore out. I feel powerless about my situation. I feel like there's no hope. I don't see any destiny in front of me. And I feel like giving up. And I feel like just staying in the threshing floor and getting enough to make it through another week. When God's saying, I want your people to be free. I want my nation of Israel to be free. What are you going to do? You've got 300 left. The Bible says Gideon gave him jars, lit fires, and went out and put them all around this uh, tribe that was in this valley. And these 300 people went down and at the sign of Gideon, he blew his trumpet. And all 300 of them blew their trumpet at the same time. And at the sound of that trumpet, I don't believe it was there in their lungs, was a sound in the air that day. I believe it was the voice of God. Because in armies, in battles in those days, the trumpet for war was just a, a proclamation of what was getting ready to happen. And Ernie, when an army heard a host of trumpets at the same time, 300 strong, they thought there was a mighty army coming against them. And what if it's all it took was a sound to come out of your lungs today and it was you prophesying to your future and you prophesying to the enemy and saying, I'm tired. And God gave me a warning sign things are getting ready to shift my nation will be a nation of God I'm not talking political I could care less who's president I'll tell you who I want to be president whoever God wants 
The Bible says that he sets them up and he tears them down. It's not up to me. It's up to God. And he can do as he wishes. Because my will doesn't matter. That's just me strangling myself and worrying myself sick over it. Amen? What are you going to do today? How are you going to prophesy to your future? And what if it was a sound that you had to make? What if there's a sound had to come out of your lungs right now that you would stand up and say, my future is going to be different. My family's future is going to be different. My country's destiny is going to be different. By the sound that comes out of my mouth, the enemy will run, and they defeated themselves. Those armies down there, they speared each other because they didn't know who was coming from which direction. They killed their self, Ernie. And Gideon's army, all they had to do was blow a trumpet to make it happen. I just want to ask you right now, if there's anybody here that wants a different future that you expected to happen last week, if you, if you expect God to shift some things in your life from this point forward, I want you to stand up. There ain't no clothes, no eyes, or none of that today. I, I want to know if there's anybody here willing to say, I'll stand up. I'm ready for a change. I'm ready for something to happen. I'm ready for God to set at liberty those that are bound in my house. And I'm taking a stand today to watch God move. Use your own voice right now to declare. I want you to pray to God right now and just declare what you're expecting to happen. Tell him that you're willing to take the rope off of yourself, to quit binding and hindering yourself, that you're no longer going to let doubt and fear rule and reign in your heart, that you're ready for his spirit to be alive and well and quicken your mortal body today. Father, I thank you for this day. God, I am grateful for all the people that's standing up in this room. God, I pray today, Lord, that you would release destiny in their life. God, just as you spoke to Gideon, just as you sent an angel from heaven, God, I know your word declares to us that we have an angels encamped about us. God, I know in Psalms 91 that you say that there's a mighty army, that there's a host of heaven, Lord, that surrounds us, that equips us, that will do battle for us. God, I pray today that every person in this room would know that the armies of heaven is working on their behalf. Lord, that you go before us, that your word says that you prepare a way, and you you wake that way right and you make that way straight. God, I ask today, open up the windows of heaven. Pour out blessings on everybody in this room. And God, as they speak right now, as they decree, as they declare, God, I pray if there's somebody hurting in their home that they will use their voice right now. And God, it would be that trumpet that sets liberty to those that are captive, God. Lord, those that's hurting with infirmities. God, those that need a healing today. God, I pray right now, let our voices be tried. Let our voices be tried true and let our voice declare that your word is true God you're a healer God you're a deliverer God you're our strong tower oh God you're the victory today God God I pray over our county God I pray over our surrounding counties God I pray over our church Lord, those that are bound, those that are hurting, those that are captive today, that the, that the enemy has come in like a flood and he's, he's put fear around them, God. I pray today, awaken their hearts. Come to them with angels. Come to them with fire, God. Change. Let us see the future you desire, God. I think there needs to be a shout in this place right now. Won't you just shout out to God with a voice of triumph? Right now, everybody in this room, just shout out to God. Let your lungs be that preparation for the armies of heaven to go to work. Will you shout out right now and declare? Open up your mouth. Let the fire of God reign in your heart and begin to declare right now. Open up your mouth. Don't stand there with the closed arms and saying what God can't do. Open up your heart and say, God, you are well able to fight these battles. Lord, I believe that you are able.
Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that a sound of a mighty rushing wind came through that place in that upper room. That there was a sound from heaven that came through. That there was a decree made and tongues of fire set upon each of them. And they declared the mighty works of God. Is there anybody in this room that can feel the wave of the wind of heaven coming through this building? I decree it. I declare it. Bethesda is on a new path. We have a warning sign today. God, I heed your warning. I declare your word to be true. Your spirit is alive and well within me, O oh God. Hallelujah. 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 Is there anybody in this place that will just shout hallelujah right now? That's what the angels declare around the throne room of God. Is there anybody that will say hallelujah? If you're facing a battle right now that you don't know the answers, will you scream hallelujah? Will you ask God hallelujah? I decree it. I believe it, God, that you're well able to move in these circumstances. Let the voice of God come from within you today. The day of change. The day of change. The day of deliverance. The day where I don't have to hide behind those walls anymore and thresh out on that floor enough to get by another week. The days of just standing behind and wishy-washy in my faith, they're over. Today's the day that we will walk around in victory. That we will walk around not defeated, not broke down, not busted, not disgusted. But God, we will be overcomers by the word of your testimony within us, oh God. That we will be overcomers, God, by the blood of the Lamb today. That the works that you have done in our lives. God is well enough to prove, God, you're able to change destinies, that you're able to shift nations. God, that you can move mountains. God, I believe as a grain of mustard seed I decree today Bethesda has changed, God. Let the winds of heaven come upon us, oh God. Move, God. Lord, I'm tired of seeing defeat on the people of Bethesda's face. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name, O God. Blessed be your name, O God. 